0: This episode of the Door County Pulse Podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Miles, hit me with that intro. I forgot how to do it, it's been so long. I'm so bad at it. <laughs> All right, well, we'll we'll take turns. Ready? Hello, and welcome to the Door County Pulse Podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm Miles Vanhausen, and here's everything you need to know about Door County this week. I think that'll be our new one. That's I like perfect. That. Yeah, yeah. It's more great. more energy. It's more collaborative. How's it been going? I've been gone for a bit. Anything happen? I've
1: basically been sitting in this podcast studio waiting for you for three weeks, just staring at the wall. You'll notice there's not many bylines of mine in the paper. I just have not been productive at all. Right. so i am lost
0: without you, Andrew. I'm worried that we're not going to have any content for this week if you (laughs) haven't left this box. (laughs) But no, that's not the case. We have some things to talk about. It does feel like just yesterday I was in here talking about the Sister Bay Village Hall. I think that that was the last episode that you and I recorded. We kind of left that wondering what's going to happen. Well... We have, uh, we have some thoughts on what might happen now at this point, so I want to talk about that. Got a little bit of information about the Gills Rock shoreline, another thing that we've been talking about for a long time yeah, now. several years. Uh, and then we're going to kind of preview what's coming up, the fall festivals, all that kind of stuff. The leaves haven't changed yet, but when they do, there's going to be all sorts of cool stuff.
1: Good times ahead. To do.
0: So that's basically a rundown of, uh, of this episode. Let's jump into it what's happening at the Sister Bay Village Hall. They're keeping it open for theater performances, right? That was my suggestion. <laughs> yep, they took that, and that, that's what it's going to be.
1: It's the, the new home of performing arts. No, just kidding. We have plenty of fine performing arts families in Door County. I yeah, but we don't have any bad time. ones, and this one would be a bad one, <laughs> yeah. uh, which would be great. Yeah, <laughs> a bad one, and that would be great. Village Hall, where is it at now? So last time we talked, the Planning Commission in the Village of Sister Bay had made a recommendation that you know their consensus was that they – did not want to invest a ton of money into it and would support removing it from its its place in the center of the Sister Bay waterfront park. Basically that decision was sat on the fact that it needed a lot of repairs, it needs probably a new elevator, probably an HVAC system, you know, doesn't suit a lot of the village needs as they see it now, so they were saying, you know, rather than do that, invest that money in the present location, we'd have to look at a different option. The backlash to that once we reported that a lot of people came forward even though this has been on the in discussions and on the table for the village board for 15 years you know people just haven't been part of those discussions or haven't paid attention to those discussions so there was a lot of backlash a lot of people saw this as like a very sudden thing and you know the good thing is a lot of people came forward a lot of people expressed their opinion and that opinion so far has been pretty close to unanimous that people don't want to see it torn down, or at least they need to learn more about why. So there were two public input sessions, one held by Zoom and one in-person, which for Sister Bay is rare. They're one of the few communities that almost across the board has not been doing in-person meetings still, still doing them mostly by Zoom. That might change now because they did did draw 50 people to an in-person public input session last week. And Almost all of those people said they want to see it saved for, you know, varying purposes. As a refresher, what is it used for currently? Not a lot. It doesn't function as the village hall. It's still called the village hall, but like the village offices are in a different building up the hill, kind of behind Husby's, the Sister Bay Administration Building. They used to hold their village meetings there because they had a little bit of an open space where you could seat like 20 to 30 people. But now that's all filled in by offices because village staff has grown as the village has grown. Usually when they do a big public meeting, they'll do it when it's in person, it would be in the Sister Bay Fire Station. There's a larger meeting room that can accommodate about 40 to 50 people and has better technology, better lighting, better HVAC, all those kind of things. And the Village Hall is used for kind of special events. There's occasionally a board meeting in there and occasionally public forums, but it's you can get about 90 people in there, I think, is the capacity,
0: some give or take. It's basically just a big room, right? There's a stage at the back and then that's kind of it.
1: Correct. It's a big room with stage. There are some bathrooms in there in the basement and upstairs actually. And then there's a kitchen off to the side. It's on the waterfront, but it doesn't have windows to the water. So it's not like a, a gorgeous view there. That's one of the things that a lot of people would like to change about it. Most notably the last couple of years it's hosted the Northern Door Pride Festival. Really good attendance there. They have occasionally done some fundraisers. Sister Bay Village Advancement Association has held some events there, like the
0: Lego Block Party. Why not just have that one year-round? I think that would be a good... The Lego Party? Yeah, just have that. I'd be in. Yeah, a year-round installation in there. Anybody who's got Lego can just bring it and store it there, and then people can go in and see it. I think that's a good use. I've been to the Lego thing twice. It's actually really cool, even before I had kids. And there's been, like, the Folk Festival has been
1: held there, a a Short Film Festival, although the Short Film Festival has said, like, they need to find a new venue because it doesn't really work. Louise Housen said there's roughly like seven events a year that are held there. And they'll like Cub Scouts will meet there sometimes and other people will meet in there once in a while. But it's not a, it doesn't function as like a, a wedding venue the way some halls would or, or large gathering space the way, say, like the Crest Pavilion would. And Sister Bay has expressed a need, you know, whether it be community associations or, Private groups have expressed a desire to have a larger gathering space somewhere in Sister Bay, but it really doesn't serve that function. So that's, that's how it's been used most of the last
0: 25, maybe 30 years for the most part. And so is the discussion right now basically, this is fine, carry on, or have there been some suggestions? It, it's kind of interesting. At the input session, I would guess like
1: 20 different people spoke. And there were some who said, well, turn this into a bigger venue, rented for weddings. You can get $10,000 a night for it. None of that is really true for this particular venue. But if you made it bigger, as soon as you expand it, you'd have to add parking because right now it's kind of grandfathered in. It doesn't have a parking lot. And once you add to it, it probably triggers that you lose that grandfathered clause. And now you're going to have to meet your parking requirements, would, which would probably mean, I believe, like a 25 to 30 space assembly parking hall. So that's a lot of parking that you'd put on the waterfront. And nobody really wants to put a parking lot on the waterfront. That would, That's a lot of money to spend for a parking lot. Can't the village just circumvent that because it's owned by them? This has actually been suggested and the village said, no, we have to abide by the same rules that we make all of our businesses abide by and all of our residents abide by. We are You know, the village is not a separate entity. The village is made up, the village board is made up of residents as well. So they got to follow those same zoning rules. And if they expanded Al Johnson's representative there, Bjorn Johnson, he expressed that, yes, he is nostalgic. He had Cub Scouts in the building as well. Bjorn's a a younger guy in his 20s. And so he was, he was probably the only person in this room that's younger than me. (laughs) Like I am now 43. 20 years ago when I covered events in Door County, I was usually the youngest person in the room. 20 years later, I am still usually the youngest person in the room. I would guess that at least 80% of the people in this room were retirees. So we, there really wasn't like a gathering of, of families and kind of business owners at this particular meeting. But Bjorn did say that uh, as a representative of Al Johnson's, they would not be in favor of any expansion, increased use, changed use for that village hall building so they would, as the only neighbor to that property, because they're directly across the street, they would not be in favor of any expanded use because it would then push more people to use the parking at Al Johnson's. And what they said is, we would have to reconsider how we manage our parking lot. We might have to become a lot more strict about who parks there and making sure that they are customers of Al Al Johnson's. For those little unfamiliar, Sister Bay, I don't think, had a parking problem. Other people always say it does. I, I don't think there's much of a parking problem. You can always find parking within one block of the main street. But one of the reasons it gets by like that is because Al Johnson's lot serves as a quasi-public lot where people park there. They go get it. And at least this is what I and a lot of people do. You might get a drink at Al Johnson's or at the Stabor Beer Garden. And then you wander around town, get food at different places. But you're parking using their lot to use the entire village. And if Al's were suddenly to say, be very strict about that and not let people do that, now you actually might have a lot more spill, a lot more parking congestion and issues in the town. So they they have a legitimate issue there. If suddenly you built a much larger or expanded village hall gathering space across the street, no, no doubt. I mean, even now when you do Northern Door Pride, I'm sure a lot of those people are parking in the Al Johnson's lot. So... I can understand where they're coming from. It was not a very popular opinion for them, him to, to spew out that night because a lot of people immediately were saying like, well, we'll see if you make money now. Like, I I think gals will be fine. but Probably.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, the people in there were all residents. I would wager that, you know, the vast majority of Al Johnson's revenue is not from residents.
1: I would wager that. But also, I mean, I see where they're coming from. I mean- I hope they continue to let that lot be used by everybody. It's a, it's a great service and it's a better use of a parking lot. Like the more use the parking lot gets, the more cost effective it is for the owner and everybody, as long as you can take advantage of it. So it it doesn't make sense to then it's not good for the village. If people started to wall off parking lots, just like Casperson's used to be empty most of the time, even though it was only used when there was a, funeral. So it's good that it's a shared use lot basically. Right. We'll see how long that lasts
0: depending on what Al's decides to do with the Casperson property. So any other input or are we moving on to next steps?
1: Well, so what happens next, they've gathered all this input. They will be having, the parks committee was supposed to meet and have a recommendation this week. That meeting got postponed till next week. And so parks will meet September 19th and it won't be a public input session, but they will meet and then make a new recommendation and that will go forward to the village board plan commission will also meet later this month and then they will make a recommendation to the village board and then the village board will take this up at their october meeting and likely make some sort of decision but again it's not like this is an imminent thing even if the village board in october voted to take down the village hall that's more of like a long-term prospectus because it's not gonna happen right away. They don't have another gathering space that is available. So it's just basically they're stating like a long-term intention or a long-term plan of what do we do with the village hall and do we wanna invest money in it? And do we wanna start budgeting for that in our capital improvement plan? The village hasn't put any numbers out there. This is one thing that confuses the issue. They haven't said like, here's what it will cost to fix the village hall. They just know that it's gonna be expensive. That like I think it'd be easy, very fair to say, It will be at least $100,000 of investment to really bring it up to code, like to fix the elevator in there, make it accessible, potentially fix the HVAC, fix the the leaky basement. I'm guessing my estimate is incredibly low. I would not be shocked if it was well over a million dollars to get this thing up to speed. So I think that's one thing maybe the village should be looking at is some sort of, hey, are you in favor of, it's easy to say you're in favor of keeping something or fixing something or fix the village hall, keep the village hall. But then if you go, are you in favor of keeping the village hall for $200,000, $500,000, $2 million? Like which level is that? Because there is a level that's too high, right? Although some people would probably say, no, there's no cost that's too high. But the other thing that when in suggestions for it, people talked about larger venue or smaller, there were also people who said, I don't want to change it at all. I don't want windows on the back. I don't want you to change the structure. I want it just the way it is. And that that's fine, but that's an interesting take to me because then it's like, well, then do you want just do you want a statue? Because like, there's a cheaper way to build a statue or or, or a monument. If it stays the way it is, it's not going to suddenly get a lot more use.
0: You know, right? So well, and also I'd be curious how much use the people who are saying keep it exactly the same are actually using it, right? Like, cause it, is it keep it the same because I think it is great for what it is and what it does, or is it keep it the same because I would like the peace of mind to know that it is still the way I remember it. Right. Which is,
1: I'm all, I'm a nostalgic guy too. Like I I get that, but I'm also like, all right, if you're going to put money into it and save this and that could be used for something else, there's always a cost benefit. Like that spot could be a different structure or a different monument or a different public
0: gathering space. Right. Is, a, is the parking requirement, is that tied to just the footprint? Because I know like with restaurants, it's how many tables you have or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's, it goes by seats. For, in most communities, they'll do it by seats. So like uh, if you have a restaurant, it's a parking space for every four seats. I think it's kind of the same thing for an assembly hall. I, sometimes there's a little difference there, but I generally think like as far as parking requirements go, usually one space for four people is, A pretty good estimate of what the across villages and communities occupancy the other thing with that village hall thing though is technically it's not it's grandfathered in to even exist there not even just based on parking but assembly halls right now are not permitted in that zoning district so if you expanded it again you lose that grandfathered clause you might not even be able to have it if you expanded the the occupancy or did something major to it because then you'd have to it'd be a new conditional use and that is not a use that's allowed in that district. So right. there's there's a question of whether, how the village would even handle that.
0: I was curious if it was based on like physical footprint because I was going to say, you know, just build up. You know, you've got unlimited <laughs> room up if you wanted a 300 square foot tower that just shoots up four stories. Do a seven story village hall. Yeah, on that same footprint. <laughs> you'd still need to fix the elevator, I would assume. But, uh, you know, options. <laughs> right why don't we take a break and then when we come back i want to talk about the gills rock shoreline uh mariners park and and kind of what's moving and shaking up there which is a a shocking thing to say about gills rock but uh (laughs) there's stuff happening and then uh we'll, we'll round things off by talking about uh the weekend and upcoming festivals and and that kind of stuff give people a glimpse at what they can do to celebrate fall so take a break and then we'll be back shortly This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kewanee Counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers.
1: Some of Door County's best stargazing happens indoors. Every year at Door Community Auditorium, we present a star studded lineup of concerts featuring artists like Brandi Carlisle, The Lumineers, Jason Isbell, Mavis Staples, Billy Strings, Beach Boys, and Buddy Guy. You're now listening to Marty Stewart and his fabulous superlatives returning to our stage in Fish Creek October 22nd. Visit dcauditorium.org for a full calendar of upcoming events and to get your tickets today.
0: Okay, we are back. So, Gills Rock Shoreline—we've been talking about this for years, but haven't had an update in a long time. So let's let's do a bit of a refresher. What's what's the the idea for the Gills Rock Shoreline, and where are we at now? So, Gills Rock is located within the township of Liberty Grove,
1: and the town of Liberty Grove uh, in 2018 purchased. Uh, a couple of parcels on the Gills Rock shoreline for $1.45 million. I think I have that number right. It might be off a little bit. And with the intention of making a public park on the waterfront there, it's next to the Weeborg Fishery. It it used to be part of the Weeborg Fishery, and now there's still a little part of the Weeborg Fishery there. And this property is right next to it. The idea was to make it a, a park, but they did not have much funds allocated for redeveloping it into anything. So it's more or less sat there in the four years since with some minor improvements. They've done some revetment on the shoreline to fix that up. They removed a house that was on the on the property and they've added some benches. But they're only now in the process of putting up a sign for the park. And at this week's parks meeting, it actually came up that they they have a problem with people, a few people. I, problem is a big word. They've had some incidences of people camping there overnight, so now they have to put up a sign to say no overnight camping. And uh, which I was, I was up there the other day just to take a look at the progress there, and I thought, like, man, I'd love to camp here too. <laughs>
0: but, why not? Yeah, I mean, it's beautiful. It's right no, out of water. but Like, why, why legally can't you camp there overnight?
1: Uh, b- basically, the reason that people don't let people camp overnight is they don't want to manage it. Like, a town doesn't want to have to to deal with it or and deal with noise and people on public property and liability, a lot of other relatively minor reasons. Because like in the state of California, uh, if you do a road trip up the coast, or at least when I did a road trip up the California coast and went up highway one, I'd get tired, be the end of the day. You just pull over on the side of the road where there's a little place to park and an overlook. And I would just car camp in the back of my car on the ocean. Pretty cool view, pretty you know, you know, you have a little bit of anxiety in your head of like, hmm, what if somebody else stops here to <laughs> mug me? But it's it's great to just pull over and get that little beautiful piece of waterfront property that, and not have to pay for it, right? So I guess you could do that, but I don't, you know, Door County parks don't allow you to camp overnight. In the state parks, you obviously have to have a campsite. So in most town and village parks, you, you can't park and camp overnight. I don't know how often you'd actually get busted for it, but technically you're not supposed to. But they don't have, even have any signs up there, so I could see someone going, hmm. open lot, I'll just pull up right there. Right. Have you heard of stealth camping? I mean, no. Well, Why? stealth
0: camping, it's basically what you're talking about, right? Yeah. It's technically not legal to camp in these areas, but sometimes people do it anyway. There's a lot of videos on YouTube of people stealth camping and like just documenting theirs. And I, my favorite that I've seen is a guy camped in the middle of a roundabout all night. So he like he backpacked <laughs> pretty awesome. He backpacked in and then waited for all the traffic to clear up. Seems like and an then, awful place to camp, but Well, it wasn't it wasn't bad, right? Because it's it's a totally enclosed area. He, you know, did a check to see like how loud can his stuff be? Can he have any lights? Like what can he do? So he set up his tent and then he, you know, waited for all the cars to go away and he ran out and he looked and, you know, walked around the roundabout. He wore, like, a high-vis uh, vest to make it seem like he was inspecting the roundabout. <laughs> and then he just, you know, would duck in there. I'm not advocating for any of this, of course. But it is it is fun to see, like, the interesting places people will camp. I think he has got a, a video where he camped behind a billboard. <laughs> like, just to <laughs> see if he could do, it, do so, it. Stuff like that. That sounds awful
1: as well. But, an adventure. On that van, I actually thought And I, I suggested this to a parks director years ago, but the county parks have gone through like, I don't know, like five directors. So I don't even know which one it was at this point, but they don't allow camping in county parks, but there are some county parks that would make for great camping. So I thought rather than let people do it or not let them like, what if at each county park, one day a year. You had a lottery and there were 10 spots and it was a fundraiser and you paid like $50 or $100 to camp. And that one day a year, the, so if you had 10 spots available or 20, you could come and you could backpack in only or something like that. And you could wake up and see the sunrise at Cave Point legally and you paid a premium for it. And the parks could make an extra 50 grand for improvements or something like that. And you do it at Door Bluff Headlands and Ellison Bluff County Park and stuff like that. So I thought the same thing with this one. I'm like, why not do that? If, if you don't have money to improve these parks or to maintain them, you use this as an opportunity to, oh, people want to do this thing. Let's get their money for it and do these improvements. Right. Let's win-win.
0: Anyway. Do parks a, close at night? Technically, yeah. Even Peninsula State Park technically is closed at night. Okay. Because I was wondering, like, if they don't close, like, what constitutes camping? Like, if I walked in with a chair, is that camping? If yeah. If I just laid on the floor, is that camping? But if they do close, and that makes sense, yeah, then it's just oh, we're not open. You're not supposed to be here. All right. Well, there's um, our camping sidebar. Let's yeah. let's get back to <laughs> deep dive Park. into
1: into a stealth camping. So what they are doing? They're finally putting a sign up up there, and they are there's three old fishing shacks, not fishing shacks, structures. One is more like an old fishing operational shack. Well, they're all fishing operational shacks, but a couple of them are more like bigger barn type structures on sure. the water. They are commonly painted by artists and. They're part of one of the things that makes made that property so attractive to so many people to preserve. Uh, a lot of people go up there and take photos of it, but those have been falling apart for a number of years. They're not in incredibly great shape, but I think a, a lot of people would have wanted to preserve them and keep them there, but the Parks Committee and the town has decided they are beyond repair and will now be removing those three buildings and- Either by demolishing them, or they have put them out to bid for anybody who wants to remove them from the property, or take them down for parts or whatever. So that will be going out to bid, and those are due. Those bids are due October 17th. I would guess that once people find out about this, there might be a little bit of pushback on that. I'm no building expert. They are old. They are. I've been told there's cracks in the cinder block foundation and in the walls of some of those structures. I know the parks committee would like to, Kathy Ward told me, they'd like to remove them. And then you have kind of a blank slate there. It opens up the viewpoint toward the south end of that park. And now you can get a real look of what do we want to do with this property now that we know what it really looks and feels like without all these buildings here. But there are others who see those buildings as kind of key to that parcel and a piece of history and heritage that once they're gone as... My car told me he goes. Once those are gone, they're gone. You're not getting them back, and you can't recreate that. So I'm guessing that'll be a little bit of a of a discussion going forward in the next couple weeks. What about affordable housing (laughs) out of those structures? Yeah, (laughs) I mean, they're honestly they don't look a lot worse than the house my dad bought when I was like five years old. So I won't discard that entirely, but they are not homes.
0: (laughs) Right.
1: Well, (laughs) they are like old structures that used to be used for. Fishing equipment, nets, tar shacks, things like that. In Leland, Michigan, which is located on the traverse, near Traverse City across the lake from us, there is a town that I always thought reminded me a lot of Gills Rock in that it was like a small fishing village with a bunch of old fishing shacks kind of on the pier, similar to this one in Gills Rock. And what they've done there is... Those shacks now host are like one might have a artist in it. One might, one might have an ice cream shop in it, and they also have little plaques out front honoring the fishermen who used to fish at that particular place. Is that which kind is of like
0: Founder Square in a way?
1: A little bit, yeah. Somewhat like that. Like, yeah, picture kind of Founder Square like on a pier, but out of old fishing shacks instead right. of cute old white cottages. It's it's pretty cool, and it's kind of neat how they've used it to take this, you know, like these old tradesmen, the old fishermen and honor them at that that pier. So when they first bought that, that was the first thing I thought of in my head, but I also am not like a structural engineer. I don't know if like the, I mean, anything salvageable, right? Like people said the granary was unsalvageable. It clearly is salvageable. People just said my dad's house was unsalvageable. It's still standing, it still houses people. So it's all a matter of what you wanna put into it and what your, what your community chooses
0: is the best use for that particular spot. All right. Here's my suggestion. And normally these suggestions are uh, purposefully bad, but I, this one's not that bad. Actually. What if you just stood, you know, a hundred feet away from the shacks and took a really beautiful picture. And then in that same spot that you took the picture, you erected like a little mini billboard with the picture on it. So you could stand there and you'd be like, wow, this is what it used to look like. (laughs) But then you could also get rid of them and do whatever you wanted over there. So you get the best of both worlds, right? It's you preserve that image because they're not being used for anything. So it's just the image that you like. So you preserve that image with a little mini billboard. And then you also get to make something cool.
1: You just uh, you may have just written next year's repulse. That's the whole thing. It's just like door County to replace all historic sites with billboards of historic sites. Yeah. Exactly. I mean,
0: when you put it that way, it sounds bad, but when you really think about it... (laughs) Yeah, in reality, it also sounds bad. (laughs) No, it's like, hey, if you pick up the fall Door County Living Magazine, which will be out soon, we did kind of a before and after of historic photos of a bunch of the different municipalities and recent photos that our photographer Rachel Lucas took, kind of comparing and contrasting how much things have changed and how much things have stayed the same. And the cover image for that is uh, Rachel holding a picture of the granary, over where the granary is now and so you can see like the historic photo inlaid on top of what it actually looks like it would be the same thing but just with a structure then you could stand there and be like oh look at those cute checks now i'm gonna go get ice cream at the new building that was built there kind of like the old uh, cartoons
1: where they would hold up a picture or put up a billboard and then you could like walk into the billboard or sure something like that
0: yeah i think that's a a, yeah let's do that
1: Speaking of that magazine article, which, by the way, let's plug the magazine here. It's a really great issue. And that particular article, it's out on newsstands now. And that article that you just mentioned, like you said, is we have these really cool photos from Bill Tischler, who is a professor emeritus at University of Wisconsin-Madison. The guy we've interviewed actually sat down in the shacks at the Ridges. He grew up in Bailey's Harbor knows a ton about Door County history, and he happened to be in Door County in 1974 working for the Sea Grant program, documenting, going around the county and taking pictures of basically Lake Michigan seaside towns and what they were going through at that time and just trying to like document the moment. And he emailed me a couple of years ago. He said, hey, I have all these old slides. Would you be interested in them? I said, the heck yeah, I'll I'd take them all, like send them over. So I had to buy a slide scanner because I didn't know how you <laughs> how you digitize slides. But they're just like this treasure trove of, of photos at a moment in time. And I thought it was really fascinating because it's 1974. My parents moved up here in 1973. So it's Egg Harbor, Bailey's Harbor, Sister Bay, Sturgeon Bay. It actually gave me a glimpse of like the, I can picture them coming up here. And it's October of 1973. So it's, it's not like peak summer, beautiful Door County. It's like gray, sort of like what the winter looks like, what the off season in Door right. County looks like. So it gave me this kind of unique view into the county that they moved into. And my dad had always said, he, like recently he said this a lot more of like, yeah, it was it was a lot harder to move here in 1973 than it is in 19 or in 2022. You know, like it's just, it was a long winter. It was a long, slow off season. And the towns were just not as, they're not as picturesque back then. So I I just thought it was a really cool snapshot in time. And that was right after kind of the last throws before like that National Geographic article brought all these people up here. Door County grew in population by like 25% in the 1970s. And most of it being in the mid to late side of that. So it was kind of like this last gasp of it before these towns grew and developed. And I just thought it was be a really cool idea to go out and recreate those. So Rachel Lucas went around the county last fall and took a bunch of pictures to recreate what those scenes are now.
0: So it's a cool. Tried to stand in the same spot. Basically Uh, the major difference is she wasn't able to get all the angles right because Bill was standing in the middle of the street for a lot of these because he could totally (laughs) empty. Whereas now Rachel trying to get these, you know, when, when she did not able to actually stand out there, just, (laughs) Because of the traffic.
1: No, Rachel would no longer be with us. Right, <laughs> That is a good point, though. Like People have told me this so many times. Of You used to, right after Labor Day, you used to be able to shoot a shotgun down the middle of the street or throw a bowling ball down the middle of the street. And when you look at his photos, you're like,
0: yep, 100% you could. Mm-hmm. Well, and what I loved about him is that they are the perfect rose-tinted glasses killer because yeah. they are showing a Door County that locals would have recognized eight months out of the year, right? This is what Door County was like out of the really busy times in the summer. So when you think about like, oh, the Door County of my childhood was this, well, you were probably coming to it, you know, during vacation time and you were seeing it in- Great point. Yeah. With a lot of people and all this kind of stuff, not as many people as we have now, but you were seeing the best version of Door County and these photos captured what it looked like Most of the time, right? Not in the height of summer, not with beautiful weather, not with the fall colors, just kind of, this is what door counting looks like when you walk outside your door and go to the, you know, the grocery store. Andrew, I'm
1: so glad you brought that up. That is such a great point because I I never really thought of it this way, but as you were saying that, it just triggered my head to go like, all right, so most of the people that are at the meetings that I'm covering now, most of the people that are in organizations, most of the conversations I have in general are with people who moved up here probably post-1970, really probably post-1990. Honestly, in that Sister Bay Village Hall meeting, I can't tell you how many times I heard somebody who said spoke up vehemently in support of the Village Hall and said, I moved here six years ago, or when I decided to move up here 12 years ago, and I, it really struck me as how recent a lot of it was. And they were they fell in love with the county, and they've been in love with the county for a long time. But like you said, the the one that they fell in love with was almost certainly a May through... Maybe September, maybe early October version of the county, which is much different than the one that everyone who lives here year-round with experiences. November, December, that depression that comes after Fall Fest. If you're working in the restaurant industry and all your friends leave and all the people are gone, and suddenly your Tuesday's, your Tuesday lunch crowd is, all right, we we did 12 covers, I made seven dollars, you know that like that kind of thing, and it's not that bad anymore. But up until like. 2011 12 like that was real. Yeah, you just you mentioning that, it's really stark to me just to think that okay, yeah, it was great in July. But would you have loved the Door County
0: that that same Door County in February or November? Right. Well, and that's why I, you know, I tend to be on a certain side when it comes to development and new things moving in and new businesses opening up and stuff like that because when you look at these photos, back before there were a ton of restaurants and shops and things to do on days like these photographs represent, what were you doing? You weren't, you know, if you come up here on vacation right now and it rains the whole weekend, you still have so many different things to do inside. Back then, not as much. People were coming up here for the outdoors. They still largely do, but they have options when the outdoors aren't as inviting. Back then, a lot less of those. Yeah. So when when I, I see... especially after Labor Day. Yeah. <laughs> when I see people talking about putting up new cell towers or expanding broadband access, and I see people being like, why do you need all that? Just go outside and enjoy the beauty of Door County. Well, Door County isn't as beautiful as it is when you come up on vacation and have a, a wonderful, you know, set. It's, it, it changes every day. And so having, you know, more options to do more things inside, you know, it goes hand in hand with that, that development argument yeah
1: and, and and i should clarify like i don't i don't say that about like new arrivals in any sort of like anti new people way like we're all new you're relatively new yeah i you know to roly jorns i'm a newbie you know <laughs> and, and i was born here but you know my parents were new in 1973 and you know it, so it, it doesn't like i don't get caught up in that like when did you come here or how long have you been here like that you know we that doesn't matter as much but it's just a perspective it's just right. interesting to note that as as somebody who goes and, and hears all this you, you just brought up something that is i don't know will will color the way i i hear things at meetings now
0: yeah and and all that being said the other shocking thing about these photographs is not just what has changed but what hasn't changed yeah. right like there's a lot that you can see that does not look incredibly different. There are some words like, yeah, this has changed quite a bit, but there's yeah. a lot that is not. And there's some that you can argue have changed for the better in all of the reasons sure. that yeah. you might not think so. Like one of them is kind of looking down the hill in Little Sister. yeah. At, and you look at before at how everything was clear cut, basically. Right. And now you look at it now and there's a lot more growth and it looks more natural. Yeah. Like that's That's clearly a good thing. to to return those trees back. So you see little things like that, or I was shocked at the Hardy Gallery because they used to be able to do graffiti and stuff up on the roof as well. And I was shocked to see that has changed. Well, yeah. And so just to put that in context,
1: those two pictures side to side, it's just the Hardy Gallery. And largely the same. You have the the flagpole has moved and the graffiti is still on the, the sides of the building, but you mentioned it used to be on the roof too. That was interesting to me because... I'm covering all these meetings where people are expressing concern about there being too much graffiti down at Anderson dock. And it, it, it always gets phrased as like this new thing or kids these days, or who's this vandal. It's like, Oh, it was actually a lot worse back then. Yeah. Another odd thing about that is somebody emailed me and it's, that's kind of cool when these little things happen, somebody came across that article, emailed and said, can you send me a copy of that old picture? Because my parents boat name is on the roof there in the lower left hand corner. And I'd love to get this framed. And it's that, that, that's just a cool touch that somebody found this right. little piece of their family history in this random photo that we put in the paper because Bill Tischler sent me a random email three years ago. <laughs> right. But you also mentioned, you know, some of them, Bailey's Harbor is is pretty different, at least the photo we use. And when we put these online, it's not online yet. You'll have to go pick up the physical copy of the magazine and look through all the ads that make us the money that allow us to print these publications. But eventually we'll put it online and- those, there's even more to go with these photos and there's some great ones of, of egg harbor that show murphy moors and kind of like back when egg harbor was really really a small undeveloped town kind of the version that i remember from being a tiny kid and then like you said there's sister bay ellison bay largely unchanged looks very yeah. much the same except a Only a couple of business names have changed. Clayton's is now in the Mink River Basin, you know, but the the general store is still there. The Viking just changed hands. So actually in the photo that we have, it's still the Viking because that was so recent. In downtown Fish Creek, I have gotten a couple emails because people were upset that in my caption for it, I pointed out the black power poles. Some people think I beat that to death, but it is nine out of 10 people who talked to me about Fish Creek mentioned those black power poles. So I'm sorry, I reflect what people tell me, but it's the canopy of trees there. And I kind of purposely chose the photo I did because the town this last summer, just like as we were going to press on this was actually discussing whether or not they wanted to cut down the trees in the old downtown to make a wider sidewalk. And it's, you look at that photo and you can see, wow, we've already lost a lot of canopy from back then. Do we really want to,
0: like this is what makes it what is it going to look like without that so, yeah it's almost a tree tunnel yeah back before and now it's kind of relegated to the sidewalks and imagine if it's even less than that that's a good point
1: yeah so there's I don't know when you look at then and now you can see what what you've done better what you've lost what you can try and hearken back
0: to and maybe bring back if you think long-term, so the fun one to work on. And it's good to to have that tangible evidence of like, when people are like, oh, it used to be this and it was so much better. Well, here's actually what it used to look like. And does this actually look better? Does this match your memory? Yeah. Yeah. Did we finish talking about Guild Rock? The shoreline, was there anything else to add there before we went on our magazine tangent? I don't think so. I think we covered it. All right. Then the last thing I want to do with just a a little bit of time that we have left is I want to give just a a quick preview of fall festivals coming up. There's one this weekend, right? Harvest Fest? Yeah. Harvest
1: Fest down in Surgeon Bay, which is one of their big weekends of the year. They have uh, a bunch of public art down there. They have kids games. They have a classic car show. I think they closed
0: down Third Avenue for this. So... Fun weekend to get down in Sturgeon Bay. Yep. They have the Cherries Jubilee, which is their art installation that they do where people come up with really cool cherry statues. Yeah. Uh, all of those just moved to Martin Park last night, I believe. Okay. So they at, we're recording this on Wednesday. So they all moved down there. You can go to the park and you can see them all lined up. And then there's an auction for them during the actual festival. So if you have been looking around your house and thinking, man, I could really use a six foot tall cherry (laughs) statue, uh, your opportunity to get one is this weekend.
1: Oh man. My brother-in-law is going to hate you for that because. His wife might bid on one of
0: those. Really? Yeah. They're cool. There's there's one that I saw. It's like a cherry, but it's also like a cross section where like a chunk is cut out and it's full of LED lights. So it like turns on at night. That's pretty cool. Yeah. There's a bunch of really cool ones. I, I love the ones that are just like the standard cherry, but then painted really interestingly. But then there's always a couple that go like above and beyond and make something wild. I think last year there was one that was made out of wine corks. The whole thing had like a thousand wine corks to create the whole the whole thing. Well, very
1: cool. All these wine corks I have in my house because I'm always like, one of these days I'm going to send these in to get recycled because I don't want to throw them out. Now I know I could have just made a big cherry out of them. You could do that. You could
0: you you can make all sorts of cool art with wine corks, Miles. You should teach this class. I, I don't know how to do it. Uh, what other festivals are coming up? Well,
1: it's not – part of that festival but uh the peninsula century fall challenge bike ride is coming up this weekend on saturday in sister bay so we'll probably have about six to seven hundred riders for that you can register friday night at packet pickup if you haven't done it online yet and you can also register saturday morning from six to nine a.m so if you want to get a bike ride in you can do that up in sister bay at waterfront park and then next weekend is autumn fest saturday here in baileys harbor they have another classic car show. We have a 5K to kick off the day at Door County Brewing Company. And that's the Hey Hey 5K. We start and end at the tap room right in the middle of town here. And runners get a pretty cool t-shirt, a free race pint glass, and then you get your first fill up free. And we got root beer floats for the kids at that. So then after that, uh, Autumn Fest has live music. They got Big Mouth in town here. There's arts and crafts and food. So are they still two-
0: doing the, the pinups? Yes, they, what, pistons, pinups and pistons, pistons and pinups? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, it's pinup models and classic cars. So, like, you and I modeling Yes, with classic We cars. will be there. You're welcome, Bailey's Harbor. <laughs> right. It, is it disruptive at all that the that the run starts and ends inside the brewing company? Doesn't that, like, there's not a lot of room for everybody in there. It is tight in there, yes, but... People filter out, yeah, definitely. and it, it kind of you have to funnel everybody out the doors too. So I, I can't imagine that that's great for people at the back. Are you ripping on my vent? <laughs> uh, well, I'm just <laughs> saying you should have them start outside of the brewing oh, company. Yes.
1: yes, they do start out back of the brewing company. Thank you very much. Okay, they're not. It doesn't start. They're, they're in the parking lot inside there. Yes. All right, that's good. But it's a great like. It's not like this huge festival, but it's a fun little Saturday in Bailey's Harbor. Um, yeah, it is. pretty chill. It's a good. It's a good kickoff to the day. And then- I really
0: like Bailey's Harbor for festivals. Even just the uh, the farmer's market, I think, is is really fun in Bailey's Harbor. You, It's a nice little walkable area. You've got the two sides of the street where things can happen. You have the area outside of the town hall where the farmer's market sets right. up. And then right behind that, you've got the park. I, I like Bailey's Harbor for festivals.
1: Yeah, and Bailey's Harbor, you're... It sounds goofy to be talking about like, oh, I like this town for a festival, but there's something that feels a little more chill about a festival in Bailey's Harbor, even when it's really busy, than yeah. other towns. I they, don't know, just because be you smaller, have smaller.
0: There's more open air. Yeah. I think about like when a harbor shuts down for. They used to do Ale Fest. Yeah, is that what it was when they shut down for that? That feels more like a like Fall Fest light in terms of like taking to the streets and it's all kind of corridored off. Plus, Fish Creek is kind of a big L shape basically, so it kind of spreads the event out over stuff. It, it It's good, but it doesn't have that, like, small, easy feeling that, like, Bailey's Harbor does. Yeah, and maybe
1: Bailey's Harbor is helped by the fact that it has a side street and, like, other entrance points, whereas, like, Sister Bay and Fish Creek get kind of compact because there's right. kind of one way in, one
0: way out sort of thing, but Bailey's Harbor has a grid of sorts. <laughs> right. I do also like Sturgeon Bay for that feeling, but it's totally different because when yeah. they close down 3rd Avenue and you have the whole like street to walk, yeah. that... That feels very different, but it, it's also very cool. It reminds me more of like a like a farmer's market or a festival in the cities rather than...
1: Absolutely. That's exactly what else. I would think too. So after Autumn Fest, you get a little bit of a break and then Pumpkin Patch is coming up on the 8th and 9th of October. That's the big one in Egg Harbor. Put that on your calendar. And then Fall Fest the weekend following that. So we got like four weeks of pretty big events coming up here with what, like one break in the middle and then it's all over.
0: Right. First day of fall is September 22nd this year. I would anticipate maybe second week of October is when peak fall colors are going to be based on the last couple of years. I am a fall color scientist. (laughs) Uh, Of course, as people know, I'm not quite as on it as I am with the cherry blossoms, but I'm I'm guessing probably second week of October. That seems like a a, a safe bet. We might have to send you out in the field. Yeah, it all depends on how wet things are too because if it's really, I don't remember anymore if it's really dry or if it's really wet, what that does. You can read my article from last year about it because I I did a deep dive and I talked to a scientist. Um. (laughs) That should tell you everything you need to know, but I'm guessing probably right around second week. Okay, I'll trust you. I wouldn't. (laughs) <laughs> you can trust me, but don't hold me to it. How about yeah. that? Anything else for uh, for what's going on up in the next couple of weeks? We do have a breakdown of what you can expect from each of the fall festivals in this week's Pulse. So if you pick that up on Friday, uh, the A and E section has kind of a breakdown of all of the the big ones and what's going on at them. So that should kind of serve as your guide if you're planning on attending or if you're going to take a trip up or that kind of stuff. I got we, nothing else. We did it. Yeah, I think we covered it. Wow, first time back in three weeks. 45 minutes of great content. It's like I never left. <laughs> Andrew, congrats on being a dad again. Thanks. I, I I was a dad the whole time. Like nothing tragic happened. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Good point. Yeah. I'm not necessarily a dad again. I'm just Be, more of a dad. Congrats on being a dad more. A yeah. bigger dad.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's, you know, it's weird. I don't know if you felt this or not, but like I haven't felt my identity shift yet. You know what I mean? Like I don't feel like, Hi, who are you? Oh, I'm Andrew. I'm a dad. Like, I haven't f- necessarily felt that yet. I wonder when that happens.
1: Yeah, I guess that's a good point. I don't... Cause maybe because I, I, I still feel a little inept every day as a yeah. dad that maybe I don't really claim the title yet, but well, I and do. It's hard to- At daycare, they do now call... Like, the other kids call me Connor Dad. So yeah, I that, guess that's... That happens to me too,
0: which is great. But, like, I feel like... There is a point at which your personality j- becomes dad, right? I feel like that's a thing. And I wonder if it's different between men and women or mothers and fathers, I should say. Because, like, I feel like my wife is a mom and she feels like she's yeah. a mom because there's, there's direct mothering happening. Yeah. Whereas, like, maybe it doesn't really kick in until you you start to raise them. Because there's very little raising you can do to a baby. Toddlers, (laughs) you start to get there, but it's not until, like, they understand reason where you can really start to raise them. When you
1: have to start disciplining them and
0: stuff like that. Well, not even that. Just, like, explaining to them the difference between right and wrong. You can't explain to a baby what's right and wrong, and even, you know, my son's going to be three soon. He's just on the cusp of starting to understand reason, and so maybe it's once fathers begin to raise their child, then they're Hmm. like, now I'm a dad, or maybe it's just a wardrobe thing. Maybe I just need to, you know, start wearing cargo shorts.
1: I've (laughs) definitely... (laughs) <laughs> I've definitely started to exercise like a dad, as in I don't. Right. Um, so maybe once that takes full effect and my dad bod fully fills out, then I'll, then I'll start to identify with it. But you raise a good point. Yeah. What's so I think moms are
0: immediately mom. Right. Like, they start to mother immediately. Yeah. Dads don't start to father as actively right away. But I could be yeah. wrong. Somebody has any tips for us on how to dad? Yeah. Just andrew see. at ppulse.com <laughs> is my email. Let me know when you felt like you were a dad.
1: Yeah. That actually would be good. Pe- actually, people send us in those answers. Yeah. Would I'm curious. Yeah. Uh,
0: one, one parting thought. What's your quintessential dad outfit? Like if you were to describe a dad, what would that be? I can go first. Okay. You go first. Polo, tucked in to cargo shorts, white socks, New Balance sneakers. <laughs> Oh, so not what you actually wear as a dad, but what you
1: think of as. That's what dad. I think of as a dad. I was going to say, like, my outfit is definitely something that's flexible. So, you know, jeans are not preferred because it's more like shorts or sweatpants are yep. definitely just lend themselves to chasing the boys around more. Oh, yeah. And I always go long sleeve or hoodie. It's good, loose, fitting, comfortable. But yeah. as far as what a dad wears, I, I've never even thought of it that way.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like there's a quintessential dad look. My dad outfit is similar to yours. It's a performance T-shirt, something moisture-wicking because I'm going to get some fluids on me. And then uh, some sort of jogger. <laughs> put like, that in overheard. Yep, like fleece joggers and uh, socks and slides because it's, it's easy and God knows I'm going to have to run outside for a million different things that we left in the car. So yeah. that quick and easy, you know. Andrew at PayPal, send me your dad outfit. <laughs> No pictures, though. I don't need to see you. <laughs> Miles, thank you for chatting with me. Yeah, that's uh, great. thing. Look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at the Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.